I said, I'm sorry, you're declined. He said, well, that's impossible. We just bought a house and two brand new cars. And I said, wow, that's a lot of debt that you're trying to take on all at once. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Show, your weekly podcast about real difficult money stories, overcoming financial obstacles, and tips for building healthy money habits. Can someone who has never been in credit card debt have a compelling financial journey to share? Absolutely. I'm Todd Christensen, host of the Money Fit Show podcast, and on today's episode, we hear from Financial Fives author Gary Graywall about learning financial lessons from other people's mistakes. So, are you going to press that pause button? Go ahead, make my day. Gary Graywall grew up in Northern California and over the last six years has lived in every time zone in the contiguous United States. He loves biking, tennis, water sports, and vegan food. He took a career in financial planning because he felt personal finance knowledge could truly change the direction of someone's life in a drastic, positive manner. He started two businesses, bought and sold seven different cars, and negotiated almost everything he can while becoming more involved with volunteering and philanthropy. Oh, and he's the author and founder of Financial Fives. Gary Graywalt, welcome to the Money Fit Show. Todd, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, I always uh, uh, enjoy having somebody else uh, from the same area that I grew up in in Northern California. So uh, great to have you. Let's. We're going to get started. As I mentioned, I want to start with a question if you're ready for it. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So who in your circle of family, friends, acquaintances has had the biggest positive impact on your finances? Yes, I would say most recently, I mean, throughout my life, it's been uh, my mother. She was very good about being frugal, but not taking away from experiences and not, you know, obviously devaluing things that matter, like Mm -hmm. buying quality items and, and having good experiences. But for, you know, taking your own lunch, cooking your own food, finding joy in the simple things in life. I think that's the one attribute I got from her. Mm -hmm. And um, if I can add another person, there was somebody who kind of took me under their wing at my first job out of college when I was 22. Um, And he's kind of been my adopted uncle. And he taught me the power of uh, negotiation and standing up for yourself and when you need to speak up about certain things. And certain qualities that you don't always get in school, but are important in the workplace and the professional environment. And he taught me about the value of investing. And he kind of opened my eyes onto the potential of personal finance world, everything this industry stands for and does, and the opportunities that are prevalent there. So I would say those two individuals have the biggest impact. That's cool. I'm very fortunate to come across somebody like that. not everybody. I don't know if, you know, I think there's most people would have an opportunity for that. We just don't take advantage of it sometimes, but that's, that's good that you, you've got that. Absolutely. Um, Gary, in a previous conversation, you mentioned that you had never had or been in a credit card debt or taken out even student loans. Now those are challenges uh, that are part of so many people's money journeys what was it about your youth or your childhood that created this sort of determination? I would imagine it, it involved determination to stay out of debt. Oh, 100%. I think it was just a fear factor uh, earlier <laughs> on. 
Um, you know, you see people, I, I mean, keep in mind, I graduated high school at, at, in my high school career was the middle of the 2000s. So I'm dating mm-hmm. myself for a little bit, but I had heard about um, neighbors and friends in our school whose parents are making tens of thousands of dollars per month. The kids are driving brand new cars and everybody was just saying like, oh yeah, you can just get 0% APR, 0% this and that. And I was just afraid of like, but you owe them money. Like you Mm -hmm. owe these people money. It's not like it's going away. And I think it finally hit me when I was actually working at Circuit City as a job at high school. Circuit and City, that's now that's they, dating you. <laughs> that is, they've been gone for a decade or more. Yeah. Um, and this lady came in and um, she got dec- declined for a Circuit City credit card. And I'm so- I said, I'm sorry, you're declined. And she said, well, that's impossible. We just bought a house and two brand new cars. And I said, wow, that's a lot of debt that you're trying yeah. to take on all at once. And so um, I just got afraid of it. And I just heard about a lot of people who couldn't pay their car uh, payment and their car would get repossessed. I mean, how embarrassing is that? Mm -hmm. And um, I think also for student loans, you know, I I knew that a loan is something you have to pay back. And that's something, fortunately, my counselor told me, he's like, hey, remember, grants and scholarships take as many as they are. Love them. But a loan, you've got to pay it back. And that's kind of where I kind of got this aversion to debt. Um, which has also worked against me, keep in mind, because I, you know, there have been opportunities in the past where I feel if you take on good debt and buy a house, for example, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. But I just always stayed away from debt because of those experiences. Yeah, I, I kind of want my next follow up question was kind of along those lines that avoiding credit card debt has got to have meant at some point many points likely that you didn't buy something or do something that you really wanted. And is there, is there time or something that you remember that you were most tempted to go into, let's say credit card debt or, or even uh, other sorts of debts that, but you did not. Yeah. I would just say for the most part, it was just, it was just mainly what if I got into credit card debt and, you know, I had a credit card, but during college in those years, they would come to you. The credit card companies would come. And they would say, sign up for a credit card and you will give you a t-shirt and all of that. And that went away eventually. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a documentary I, I saw a few years ago called Maxed Out. And it talked about the toll that debt brings onto people and how kind of seductive it can be to get into debt and keep up that lifestyle. And, you know, it's just a very, I just had a very, um, you know, took it with a grain of salt and wanted to make sure that I didn't, you know, do anything if I couldn't afford it. And that obviously is some lost opportunity. But I think it's helped me shape into that I don't need if I don't can't afford it, I don't really need it. Mm -hmm. When when you had those opportunities, you know, I I remember a couple of decades before your time, those offers on credit card campuses for the Frisbee or the T-shirt or the ball cap. But what, how did, do you remember any kind of feelings or any kind of uh, thoughts that you had when you were offered those sort of things, um, but didn't, didn't, uh, decided not to take them up on that? Yeah, I I think, um, you know, when I was, I think it was a year after high school that I started to get into, or I'm sorry, the year after college that I started to realize how important it was to have credit, Mm -hmm. right, to buy a home to even get a job sometimes, do a background check, but good credit is good. Mm -hmm. And that was around the time I started to really get into watching like 
I, I got a lot of uh, entertainment out of Susie Orman's show, right? I loved her um, Can I Afford It segment. Mm-hmm. And it was like profiling real people on what they can do and can't do. And I started to realize that you need to have good credit in order to get, um, you know, in order to have good opportunities in life. So I think for me, it was never like, you know, you get those offers in the mail and I never wanted yeah. to take any of those, but I did make a mistake, Todd, I will say. Oh, okay. Um, confession yeah. time. <laughs> uh, yeah, confession time. I was 20 years old on my own in college in Southern California. And um, I got I got roped in. I mean, I'm human. And I was at the store with my friends and peer pressure sometimes plays a fact, but the girl at the desk at, I think the store was called Express. Uh-huh. She said, well, you can get, you know, a $100 gift card if you sign up for this credit card. And I said, great, let's do it. And it didn't cost me anything. Yeah. And I ended up not using the card and closing it. And we all know that length of credit history is important in your score. Yeah. And so that was a mistake that I had made. And so since then, I said, well, I'm going to do my research and then get a card. And I didn't get approved for a very good card in the beginning. Yeah. But then since then, I've been able to negotiate higher credit limits, which helps your credit score use the ones that give you cash back. Um, and so that's kind of how I went about that. Uh, you, you've, you've mentioned negotiations a couple of times and, and it was, it's highlighted in your experience. Uh, and and I, I heard it on a, another um, podcast episode you were, you were a guest on. Why, why do you feel negotiation skills, one, are so critical and two, are so lacking? Um, well, one, I feel they're very critical because, you know, it's the society we live in. It's capitalism, right? It's, it's companies will get as much as they can out of you if they, if, you know, because that maximizes their profit, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a salesperson and I can try to get you to get an extra package or I can get you to pay the fee or I can get you to sign up for a year, right? It, it's in the company's best interest. But negotiation is important because everything is a negotiation if you think about it in life, whether you're even like, um, you know, dropping your kid off at school or you're going to the store to buy something or you want to hire a, a contractor to put a porch on your backyard. Like you've got to find it. You've got to find a happy medium between what you're, what you're comfortable with and also what you value, right? There's a mm-hmm. right way to negotiate, which is respectfully and with research and with diligence. And there's a wrong way, which is, you know, demeaning the other person and, and denigrating them and, and saying, well, this is, you're not worth my time or this isn't worth my time. Right. But if you can do it respectfully and amicably, two people are going to find a common spot eventually. And I think that it's lacking because it's uncomfortable. I mean, ultimately, that's the point. In a job interview, right, we're, we're going there, they may offer us something. And the reason most people don't negotiate is because it's uncomfortable, uh, you know, coming across in terms of, well, if I ask for this, they may think I'm, I'm, I'm ungrateful or, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a problem later on. Um, and so it's uncomfortable, whether you're negotiating at the car dealership or with your spouse or whatever. Because, you know, the path of least resistance is the most comfortable path. And that's why it's been so lacking. Do you remember a time that you were, un, uh, I mean, I, I imagine you're, you're a lot more comfortable now, but do you remember a time when you were not comfortable negotiating something? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, when I was in college, um, you know, there were times that, you know, you're, you're obviously you need housing. And I was offered housing with, to live with roommates. And they're like, yeah, you should pay for 50% of the utilities, even though there were three people in the place. 
And I wanted to be friends with them. And I didn't, you know, want to say, well, no, this isn't really fair because mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I split the bedroom. So I kind of bit my lip on that. And looking back, it's like, you know, if people really respect you, those are the people you want to have, be friends with. And if they're your friends, you know, being equal is not something to ask too much for. So there were instances where I didn't feel like if I, if I spoke up, I would lose that relationship or I would lose respect. Um, but that's really not the case. Like I said, as long as you approach it respectfully and with an open mind. You, you talk about equality in this negotiation that you have, you, if, if you have to, you want the other person or organization to see you as an equal, but that a lot of people worry, I think, about not being equal or they being intimidated, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say that, you know, because if you think about it, typically in situations, one person may be perceived as somebody as a person in power, right? If I'm the person who's hiring the candidate, the candidate may feel like we're not equal. Or if I'm the person who's trying to sell you um, a solar system, I may feel like you're the position in power. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if we see each other as equal human beings and equal equal persons we're both probably wanting what the other can offer but if we you know communication is so much more than just what you're saying verbally it's it's listening it's body language it's tone it's so much and so when you include that and put an effort into it you're coming across as a genuine person trying to make a resolution and at that point is when you know the the path opens up for negotiation nice you're the author, uh, Gary, of Financial Fives. Uh, I just I, I, I wanted to make sure I got to this uh, at some point during our, our conversation. That title just begs the question, what are the five things that you want your readers to know or do? Well, the, there's so many, though. The, I would just say the five <laughs> things that I would tell them to do, you know, it's it, at least from what I've learned is know what you're worth, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is uh, know how much you bring in and spend per month. And number three is automate. If you have $4,000 a month coming in and $1,000 is what you have to pay to your credit card or to be your bills to pay them off. Well, if you automate it, you'll never be late. You'll never be hit with a late fee. You'll never be somebody who's, uh, you know, getting hounded by creditors or, or, or getting slapped with higher interest rates. Um, number four is just going to be look out ways to refinance, look out ways to always bring down your cost of borrowing if you have to borrow. And number five, I would just say is just always ask yourself what's important to you and spend your money that way because your neighbors, your friends spend money in a certain way. It doesn't mean it's going to bring you the same fulfillment. If you don't care about, you know, putting out a nice yard and, uh, you know, landscaping in your yard, then don't. If it's more important for you to travel than buy a nice SUV, then do that. Everybody is different. And if you're consciously spending where it's important to you, you'll never feel deprived and you'll reach your goals faster. You know, you recently, uh, I saw, blogged on minimalism, the idea of minimalism, uh, a minimalist lifestyle. And and I watched a link uh, to, a, to a TED talk that you had there. Uh, that goes right hand in hand with what you're saying, right? I mean, minimalism is about prioritizing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's about prioritizing, right? Because we, if we just bring everything in our lives, like it's not intentional, like we just buy mindlessly. What's the point? You know, if if, it's, if you're intentional with it, then you only include things in your life that you have space for. 
whether it's relationships, whether it's material belongings, whether it, whatever, it, whatever is important to you. And so that's why it's so important to think about your life in terms of intention. And then you'll start to realize that you really don't need as many things or belongings or space or whatever it is in your life to bring you that fulfillment. Nice. What, uh, you know, we, as we, as we finish up here, Gary, I, one, I, I appreciate your, your time and, and sharing some of your experiences with us and our listeners. Uh, have you got one piece of practical advice or recommendation you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, Todd, I would just say it, it, I, I brought it up a little earlier in the five things, but it's just automate what you can. I mean, it makes things so much easier. I, after I did that, I mean, David Bach is another great author, right? He said the, uh, the automatic, automatic millionaire was yeah. one of his books. Great book, right? It just, if we, if we remove that kind of, oh, I forgot, I need to move this to savings, or I need to make this transfer, or I didn't contribute to my IRA. If we remove that as an obstacle, everybody's busy. So then you'll automatically be reaching your goals over time. You'll automatically be getting out of debt on a consistent basis. And you'll automatically be dollar cost averaging into the market. So obviously, consistent reevaluation, where am I at? What's my cash flow looking like now? Would I rather say for this vacation or say for a new car? That is a part of the maintenance of it. But if you, if you automate as much as you can, then you don't feel guilty spending what's left over because you're already reaching your goals ahead mm-hmm. of the ahead of the curve. So yeah, I, I, that's what I, I would say. Uh, I think it's great. I, I often refer to that as making your finances boring, so that uh, you know you, everything just happens automatically. Let the rest of your life be exciting. But just, that just money, just 100%, let, it, yep. let it let it happen by itself. That's great. Uh, yes, G- absolutely, G- Gary. You've uh, where where can our listeners? find you online and maybe uh, where can they, where can they find if, if they're interested in your book, where that, where would they access that? Yeah. So uh, I write at financial financial fives.com. So that's also the title of the book, financial fives and um, new posts every Thursday morning. So uh, feel free to subscribe if you like the content, but um, that's uh, that's my website. Excellent. And that's where they can also and get your book as well. Yep. Book link is there. Uh, you can contact me too on the about page. Uh, you can engage with posts um, and uh, we, we'd love to, to, to sh- collaborate with you. Great. Well, uh, I have appreciated the chance to be here, uh, have you with me and, and uh, share this uh, time with our listeners. Uh, it it uh, takes me back to some of my own personal experiences, but um, thank you, Gary Graywell for uh joining us today. Uh, Please, for my listeners, please do check out our podcast archives at moneyfit.org slash podcast. And until our next time, please stay money fit and stay well.